Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And that's exactly what we're planning to do for the next hour, shake up the status quo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place, it's time to run with the game-changers, and this is the place where the best run. So, this is part two of a show we did back in, let's see, May 15th, just a couple months ago here on Game Changers Radio on the future of cars with Game Changers. And I'm welcoming back the same panel. So let me see what the word on the street is. The buzz is a quote from Fred Kent. Fred is the founder and president of the nonprofit organization Project for Public Spaces. He's dedicated to creating public places that foster communities. Here's the quote. If you plan cities for cars and traffic, Traffic, you get cars and traffic. If you plan for people and places, you get people and places. There you go. So what are we talking about? By 2030, and it's not that far off, kids, two-thirds of humanity will live in urban areas. If you're one of them already in an urban area, you're part of that big number. And megacities with 10 million-plus populations will increase by almost a third. That means cities are growing and growing and growing. Here's the good news. Cities bring innovation and economic progress. We all want that. Here's the not so good news. Cities are bogged down already and it's only going to get worse by traffic congestion. We know what that is. Aging infrastructures. Oh my. And quality of life threats. Oh my. Again. So can smart city technologies focused on automotive? We're talking about intermodal transportation planning and smart traffic management. Whoever thought of such a thing. Can they alleviate these challenges? We have three experts who say the answer is probably yes. So in a moment, I'm going to be introducing you to my returning panelists from that episode in, uh, in what was it, May on Future of Cars. Joe Renz is joining us, co-founder of New Mobility Lab. We'll hear about what he's been up to. Monali Shaw, who is the former director of intelligent transportation at Here Technologies. And we'll find out what she's up to now. And Dante Ricci, global public sector and smart cities marketing lead at SAP. So welcome back to my three panelists. I'm so happy to have you here. Joe Rands has sent us a quote, three little words plus an exclamation point that are known the world over. The quote is the Nike slogan, just do it. Just to give a little background, just do it is a trademark of the shoe company Nike and one of the core components of their brand. It was coined way back in 1988 in an ad agency meeting. Uh, Dan Wyden, the head of the agency, credits the inspiration for Just Do It to Gary Gilmore's last words, let's do it. It also appears next to the Nike logo, the swoosh. That's called swoosh, but I'm trying to make it more swoosh. Joe, forgive me for that. So, Joe Renz, welcome back. Just do it. What are we talking about, Joe? And how have you been? Hello, Bonnie. Thank you for having me back. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me about let just do it. Let's do it. What are we talking about in terms of urban mobility, congestion, traffic, and smart cities? So when we talk about the opportunities and the challenges that we are facing, 
um, I also think we have to stop talking at one point in time and start doing, which is why I chose the quote from Nike, just do it. Um, we have discussed and have argued and have done a lot of other things that are definitely part of the process and are definitely useful, but we cannot forget to actually start doing some actionable uh, things and to start gaining experiences while we're having continuous conversations about things. As you just mentioned, 2030 is not that far away, and um, we have to be very realistic. Um, most municipalities and big cities in this world are on uh, 10, 15, sometimes even 30-year cycles of how they plan their infrastructure. And uh, by the time a bridge is built, by the time a new road is, is being set up, an airport is built, um, we're talking about decades worth of work and planning, etc. So instead of waiting for magical things to happen in the city, mm -hmm. in my opinion, we have to get started now, and we have to get started in a very productive and a very uh, forward-thinking way. And what we've done since the last time I was on the show is um, we have created the Illinois Autonomous Vehicle Association um, here in the state of Illinois. And we are now working very closely with the uh, State of Illinois Autonomous Vehicle Working Group, which is cross-departmental uh, within the state side in a public-private partnership. And we're actively pursuing projects. Uh, we have north of 14 projects that are lined up where we are going to start doing a lot of these new mobility project that will help us in leveraging the existing infrastructure, help us in leveraging the existing status quo, and building a integrated mobility platform based on the system of systems that will allow us to do things today. And then as new technology becomes available, might it be 5G, might it be a different road, might it be autonomous vehicles, these things will get incorporated into this integrated mobility platform. But we're not going to wait until all these things happen. We're going to start now, and we're going to start building it in an interoperable way so that we can really prepare for the future which and leverage these opportunities that we have and address some of the concerns um, that clearly are also there um, and start educating the public, which is one of the biggest things we see as an, an opportunity is the average person on the street needs to understand what we're trying to do here, take away a lot of the angst around, hey, what is this autonomous vehicle going to do? Mm -hmm. What are all these concepts going to do? And what does it mean when I no longer sit in my personally owned vehicle in a traffic jam for two hours every day, bumper That's to right. bumper to get to work at <laughs> nine o'clock? That's right, Joe. I'm I'm getting such a kick out of what you just said because I just did a series of remote interviews at the SAP Best Practices for Automotive conference in Detroit about two weeks ago, and it, I did about twenty interviews with the attendees, sponsors, keynote speakers, and my closing question on each interview was. At any time soon, if autonomous cars, if a fleet of them, well-organized, come to a highway or a byway near you, would you, whoever I was speaking to, willingly give up the keys to your own car at that time? And it was divided, Joe. Some people said... Never, like me, nah, I love my car, I'm going to keep driving it, traffic or not. Other people said, oh, 
gladly. And a couple people said they're looking forward to the day when they didn't have to have their teenage children going through driver's ed because their children would not be learning how to drive. Any quick comments from you, Joe, on that last statement before I introduce the other panelists? The comment I would make here is uh, a association that works out of the state of Michigan, the Autonomous Vehicle Alliance, led by uh, Tim Woods, is doing long-term studies on the effects that autonomous vehicles will have on, on the general population. And we do have already situations such as in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, where uh, we're testing level five, meaning there's no driver sitting behind the steering wheel anymore in a very mm-hmm. controlled environment, however, with passengers in the back. And what these studies clearly show is that once you have experienced an autonomous vehicle once and you get back into it, 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 is, it, is, a, it is a game changer. And, and this is a little bit like you know, Steve Jobs when he said, you know, the, when the iPad and the iPhone came, uh, if he would have asked the public, do you really have to have a smartphone? They probably would have not said yes. <laughs> And even if you stay with automotive, Henry Ford said, if I would have asked the public what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. And if Ford would have listened to that uh, back in the day, we mm-hmm. might still be riding horses today. So uh, it is really a question of getting people exposed to this. And we just had the Hanover Messe here in um, Chicago. Ollie had a vehicle where people could experience it, again, within a trade show floor, within a controlled environment. But you have to sit in this vehicle and you have to experience it and then I guarantee you the answers will start changing but this is what I mean by educating the public giving them exposure to these vehicles and also when you see this vehicle driving by initially you will be concerned because there's no driver the second time you see it you're still kind of taking a double check the third time it becomes natural that there's vehicles running around that are not uh, driven by a human anymore. Very interesting. Joe, you're good. That, that was a good comeback. I appreciate that. You quoted all the right people and all the right things. Thank you, Joe. So happy to have you back. And now let me move a little bit around the table to Manali Shaw. And she has sent us a quote from Rumi. I've read some of Rumi's writings. Let me just read a little background. Uh, Rumi, Persian name, all kinds of different names, meaning our master, my master, more popularly simply known as Rumi, lived from 1207 to 1273, was a 13th century Persian Sunni Muslim, a poet, a jurist, an Islamic scholar, a theologian, and a Sufi mystic, originally from Greater Khorasan. Rumi's influence transcends national borders and ethnic divisions. His poems have been translated into many of the world's languages and transposed into various formats. Rumi has been described as the most popular poet and the best-selling poet in the United States. Oh, my. Here's the quote Manali has selected from Rumi. Quote, let yourself be silently drawn by the strange pull of what you really love. It will not lead you astray. Manali, that's beautiful. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks, Bonnie. I love the quote. This is the first time Rumi has been quoted in seven years on a Game Changer show, ever, ever. So I was very, very intrigued. Talk to me about how you picked the quote and what does it in the world does Rumi from the 1200s have to do with urban mobility and our sanity in smart cities? Go ahead, Manali. <laughs> Well, it, for me, it resonates personally because I think the way that, you know, just in terms of what I do, I really go from that passion of, you know, 
what do I really love to do? What do I enjoy? What's the impact I want to make? And I let that help me figure out my path, right? And so I've done that throughout my career and in my life. And so when I saw this, I thought this really just, um, you know, it's a, it's a good guide and a good way for us to think about what our path is. And when I, you know, I, I go to a lot of events and speak at a lot of events and I connect with people and, and I see that too in this space, right? There's people with so much passion and they really have this desire to make this impact in this world of mobility and make our cities better. And I feel like if, if we all tap into that internal drive that we have of, you know, what do we really love and mm-hmm. what do we feel really passionate about, then our strengths come out. And then we really leverage the best in each person to really move us forward in a meaningful way. And, you know, to Joe's point, we really got to do stuff, right? We got to get going and we got to move. And the way I think that it works, you know, across whether you're in a company or in, um, you know, working across public sector, private sector, across companies, it's really bringing together our different strengths and our passions. And that's what's going to move us forward. And so that's what, what, resonates with me when I see this quote. Thank you very much, Manelli. We'll find out what you've been up to, what you are up to in your career now. But question for you, what would Rumi say about what we've done in terms of creating cities, the traffic, the fact that we all want to have our own wheels, the fact that we want to gravitate toward these urban settings, but there are too many of us for what the cities can hold and can deal with and can accommodate right now that we do need to embrace those passions and move our city life forward and make it better and easier. So what would Rumi say? Would there be a poem in Rumi for that, Madeli? You know what? When you say that, it reminds me of another poem, you know, where it's kind of this poem about, you know, whatever comes our way, let's welcome it and then learn from it. And um, that's kind of the way I think about it. We have, you know, there's reasons for why things have come to what they are today, right? I mean, there's progress that has happened over years, but then there's things that we didn't plan for. And so whatever challenge comes our way, I think it's, okay, now that we've encountered it, how do we learn and grow from it and evolve to make things better? And, you know, for us as individuals and for, for us as a society, let's look at what, what have we forgotten about? What have we left out of the equation? What challenges are we facing that we need to really approach in a different way and and not think about it so much as problems, but let's invite that in and look at how do we drive forward in a new way. And that's that's what I uh, think about with some of the other writings of Rumi, that let's learn from this and move forward in a positive way. I think we have a new poet on the show. I think it's Manali Shaw. That was lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much. So thoughtful. And now I hear that we have our third panelist with us, Dante Ricci, Global Public Sector and Smart Cities Marketing Lead at SAP. And Dante has sent us a very familiar quote, very applicable to this show today from Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi, uh, full name Mohandas Karam Chand Gandhi, Hindustani, lived from 1869 to 1948, an Indian activist who was the 
leader of the independence movement against British rule in India, and he employed nonviolent civil disobedience. That may be what he was best known for. The honorific Mahatma means high-souled or venerable, applied to him first in 1914 in South Africa, is now used worldwide. He's also called Bapu, which is a term of endearment for father and papa, and he is known as the father of the nation. So here's the quote Dante has pulled up for us. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Dante Ricci, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me. You picked this quote, be the change you wish to see in the world. We're talking urban mobility. We're talking smart cities. Who needs to be what change for what purpose in smart cities? I'm going to let you put all those breadcrumbs together and lead us to the answer. Go ahead, Dante. Yeah, when we typically typically talk about technology and policy, we're assuming that people are going to behave correctly. So what I'm thinking here is if individuals at all the different levels make the right decisions and choices, and the ethical choices and the right choices for society, then we would be a lot better off. So, for instance, if you're, uh, so you could just simply Google the term misuse of transportation funds and find um, dozens of situations where people misused transportation funds. If you go down to the next level um, for a specific city, for instance, I live in Washington, D.C., there's a lot of issues with the metro system, and a lot of it has to do with structure and policy, but some of it has to do with bad choices or um, essentially looking at a particular situation in the wrong way because of, I wouldn't call it selfish issues, but it could be selfish issues depending on what it is, but it's not for the common good. And then if you look down at the citizen level, the next level, you have citizens who know that the traffic situation is bad, but yet they take a car when there's mass transit available, or they use a 4 by 4 that's uh, a gas guzzler when they know that we're trying to, um, the environment is is needed to, um, we need to improve the environment, and there's a lot of issues with that. Of course, not everybody agrees with the reasons for climate change. But if you look at all different levels and in all different regions around the world, a lot of these technology and policy decisions are only as good as those decisions and the choices that they, people make within those, in those communities at all different levels. Thank you, Dante. I did Google misuse of transportation funds, and the one that popped up first was a case from last October in Atlanta, Georgia. Diverting public funds intended by Atlanta voters for such purposes as badly needed street and sidewalk improvements and traffic signal synchronization for the purpose of campaign contributions to city council members raises serious legal questions that require response from the Georgia Attorney General's office. That's what you were talking about, that type of uh, misguide of transportation funds? Yes, I mean, you can use, I mean, if you look at the first page, I just Googled it while we're talking, waste misuse funds at Massachusetts Transport, waste Mm -hmm. and misuse funds through the GAO, and they go in through talking about even back in 1978, and you can go on and on and on. Here's one from 2013 in Pennsylvania and Tennessee coming up. Separate cases alleged misuse of federal transportation funds. So it sounds like, yeah, so I I like your quote even more now, be the change you wish to see in the world, uh, stop misusing transportation funds. But it goes beyond just funds, doesn't it, Dante? It goes beyond just having the money. It's what are we doing with it? How are cities applying it? And especially today, we're talking about smart 
smart cities, which are cities that embrace new technologies like machine learning, artificial intelligence, and perhaps at the top of the list, Internet of Things, IoT, in terms of sensors that signal the right people, the right systems, that something is happening that needs to be done differently or better. So am I on the right track there, Dante? You are. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love it when I'm on live radio and I say something on the right track. It always makes me feel better. Thank you very much. Uh, Manali, radio is is my passion and my purpose, so I'm, I'm happy that you brought us that quote from Rumi. You know what? Thank you, Dante. We are going to circle back to Joe Renz. And, Joe, I have three questions for you. I think you know what they are. Number one, where are you calling from today? What city? What country? What part of the world? We'd love to know. Uh, we also want to know what's your favorite drink? in the whole wide world, essentially what's in your cup today, but it's not really in your cup. What is your passionate drink that makes you smile like I see in your picture here? And the third question is, what's new with you at New Mobility Lab? Go ahead, Joe Renz, you're up. Thank you very much. I'm calling today from Chicago, Illinois, my uh, chosen home city in my chosen home state. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, I was originally born and raised in uh, Stuttgart, Germany, but uh, have now made Chicago my home, and I'm very excited uh, about uh, the opportunities that we have here in uh, Chicago and Illinois. The uh, drink of choice is my uh, green tea with ginger that I enjoy mm. in the morning uh, to put a smile on my face, uh, even though the first smile I get when I see my kids in the morning and my wife, but for, the question was for the drink, so that helps me through the day as well. And then uh, what's new with New Mobility Lab, it's uh, really a little bit more of what I started talking about earlier in the show with the mm. Illinois Autonomous Vehicle Association. We now have a, a real opportunity uh, to have this private-public uh, partnership to start defining um, Chicago, but also the state of Illinois' role in, in all the things that we can do, uh, going a little bit back to my quote of just doing it, really starting to dive into these, these projects, because um, as Dante was just talking about, you want to be, be the change that you want to see in the world, um, and we've been working extremely hard for a year to set up the organization and have now, uh, with our 20 founding members, established a very interesting cross-departmental, cross-functional uh, group of, of folks, which, um, for those of you that heard the first show, when I was talking about new mobility, the new mobility world, I talked about not just autonomous uh, vehicles, but also connected vehicles, urban mobility, smart city, e-mobility, and the services connect all of those. And so instead of creating an echo chamber where, um, you know, a certain industry vertical talks to its peers and agreeing on the problems that we all agree on, uh, we have this cross-departmental, um, cross-functional group. Uh, we have an OEM, we have a TO1, we have an emerging OEM, we have an emerging TO1, we have a system integrator, we have an HR team, we have a real estate uh, play um, so everyone is coming together now to really start defining this future state of mobility, and uh, I'm super excited to be part of that. And uh, if you um, have any uh, questions as a, as a listener to this, please check out the website 
and also reach out to us because this is not going to be a thing that we can do amongst the 20 of us. It really is going to happen over time and with the inclusion of uh, the, the public, the, the private sector, and again, going back to the ultimately the consumer who's going to consume this new service, this new experience. And this is what we are very excited about at uh, New Mobility Lab, where we try to envision, inspire, and co-create the future of mobility. Thank you very much, Joe. Pleasure to have you back. Always so thoughtful from you. Manali Shaw, I'd love to catch up with you. I think you've had a little change in your career. Where are you? What do you love to drink that keeps you smiling and happy and smart and pursuing poetry from Rumi? And what are you doing now? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am in Oak Park, Illinois, so right outside of Chicago, the home of Frank Lloyd Wright. And and yes, it's a beautiful day here. And I today I'm gonna I'm gonna go with coffee as my drink because I just have realized that I still need that kick every morning with a good cup of coffee. I'm I'm on my way to trying to get to drinking smoothies in the morning, which I also really like. But coffee is that thing that really just gets me going in the morning. Do you have a favorite coffee, Manelli? Is there a special brand, a special style, a special flavor? Is it straight coffee? Is it uh, high test, as we used to say, meaning full caffeine? <laughs> is it a blend? What is it? Yeah, full full caffeine, but I'm pretty flexible with, uh, you know, whatever type of coffee, as long as it's not, you know, coffee from a gas station, then um, <laughs> I need a cup of strong <laughs> coffee. How appropriate for our topic today. How appropriate you said that. No comment. I'm sure there are some gas stations with delicious coffee or good coffee machines. So go ahead. What What are you up to? Um, yeah, so, well, I'm, you know, getting ready for my next chapter, taking a little bit of time off. Um, so I'll be, uh, I'll still be definitely staying in this mobility smart city space. And, uh, you know, so you can keep an eye out over the next few weeks in what's coming next. Um, you know, what I've been doing as, as I've had a little bit of time off in between um, is really kind of stepping back and thinking about this transportation design in a holistic way. And, you know, there's lots of specific technologies that we all like to work on and get focused on. But really looking at, you know, how do we use transportation as a way for cities to create strategic advantages and foster economic growth? And that's something that, you know, I think we've seen happening and that kind of thinking happening more over the last couple years, and I think even, you know, with the the recent bid for kind of the Amazon headquarters, a lot of mm-hmm. cities have been really thinking about that and, and consciously thinking of, like, what kind of advantage does our transportation system give us, or what do we need to be doing to actually have that be an advantage? And I think there's a couple of opportunities as we look at all this new technology that, that we can address. Um, of issues from the past where, um, you know, if you think of transportation, it's really that key to economic growth. Um, It gives people access to all the things that they need to do to get to jobs and school and healthcare and all these things, right? Let me just move around the table to Dante Ricci. Dante, where were you today? What do you love to drink the most? And what have you been up to? Go ahead, Dante Ricci. Yes, I, I live in Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., in Fairfax, Virginia. 
another beautiful sunny day after a very rainy month, so I'm happy about that. I always drink green teas in the morning, but as you said, it's not necessarily what we're drinking, but what we like to drink. My little treat to myself is when I go to a local coffee shop and I have a, a cappuccino with some uh, cinnamon on top. That's uh, just kind of a heartwarming mm, thing. For that me. sounds Nostalgic. good. Do you put anything else in it or just a regular cap? Any uh, any whipped cream, any cream, any any sugar, anything in addition? I love the idea of the uh, cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, in the 20s, uh, when I was in my 20s, sorry. When I was in my 20s. <laughs> I would you caught that in, one. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I would put in sugar and uh, I would put in I would put cream on top I would do everything on any type of drink but as I've gotten older I've I've uh, reduced it down just to the simple pleasure of cinnamon okay I like that very uh, much I just signaled uh, Manali's back okay keep going Dante we'll go back to Manali in a second so what have you been up to well it's interesting we're really starting to to ramp up for the Smart Cities World Congress, which is in November. It's uh, the largest smart city conference in the world. And one of the four, really they have five main topics, digital transportation, uh, urban environment, inclusive cities, et cetera, uh, governance and finance, but one of the main themes is mobility. So smart transportation, and uh, they really talk about ending the gridlock, future of mobility, so really, uh, we're working with our partners to deliver what the SAP message is at the event, and we're also going to work in some workshops at the event with our customers and some partners. We have some uh, an executive digital exchange. We're going to have a roundtable specifically on mobility. So this is a very uh, this topic is high on the on the minds of everybody in the smart city uh, market area and, and throughout the cities around the world. I mean, just this, so much population growth and gridlock right now that we just really need to solve this issue. Thank you very much. And I appreciate that, Dante. Manali, we've been having some phone issues this week, lines dropping, and unfortunately it just happened to you. So, Manali, you want to finish what you were saying, please? Oh, sure. Yeah, good to be back. Um, Good. Yeah, so I was just saying, you know, what I've been really focused on thinking about is – the ability to create economic growth um, through the design of our new mobility and transportation options, and really bringing bringing out the you know the kind of in the past we've had these issues where when our national highway system was built, there were highways that were built that then divided communities and uh, groups of people often. Uh, minorities and poor neighborhoods were cut off from transportation. And we still see the impacts of that um, in terms of economic growth. And so um, I think there's just so much opportunity now for us to really look at these new technologies and how we address some of these issues of the past and create more um, opportunity for people. And it was interesting because I I was reading an article and there was a study done by Harvard that was uh, regarding upward mobility, and they said commute time was the single strongest factor um, in helping with the odds of escaping poverty. Out of all the different things they studied, commute time. And so, you know, that is really telling, right, in terms of how much our transportation system and our options really impact um, economic growth and opportunity. So I think that's something that I'm really interested in, focused on. And I think many people in the space now are really thinking about these issues and 
So it's it's exciting because we have new tools and new approaches to be able to address these challenges. Okay, thank you very much, Manali. And you know what? We're going to skip the break because it's already 35 after. We, we've already gotten deep into our topic. And if you're just tuning in, this is Coffee Break with Game Changers, our flagship show here on Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, speaking with Joe Renz, Manali Shaw, and Dante Ricci. And our topic is urban mobility and smart cities. It's a loaded topic. So many ways to approach it. So many interesting angles. And we're talking about traffic and car and infrastructure and transportation funds. So what we're going to do since we're skipping the break, Joe Renz, you're just going to have to uh, let me pick a topic here from your very ample list of discussion statements. And here's what I'd like to talk about. While megacities struggle with their infrastructure investments, which you call budget and timing, system of systems approaches to integrated mobility platforms, that's where I want you to focus, will optimize the utilization of existing assets and provide true end-to-end solutions. So let's start the discussion with that, Joe, megacities, infrastructure investments, and integrated mobility. I'd love to talk about integrated mobility. Joe Renz, go ahead. So what we're talking about uh, is if you look at the status quo and the fact that cities will not change overnight, they have 10-year planning cycles, sometimes even longer than that, we need to look and see what can we do with the existing uh, resources. And if we go to the bumper-to-bumper traffic that Monali just talked about, um, if we had, for example, vehicle-to-vehicle communication that is effective and we lose the distance from one bumper to the other, we could already put pack more cars into an existing highway. If we look at the side, left to right, there is a rather big distance between the vehicles. Why? Because we're relying on a human to drive and keep the distance and stay in the lane. If we have, again, vehicle-to-vehicle communication, we could, again, probably pack another lane. Let's say there's a three-lane highway. We could probably put a fourth car next to each other, and we could run very effectively. Now, if you're listening to this and say, this guy is crazy, there's already what's called platooning that is happening with trucks. So these trucks line up uh, at a certain distance, and then they run in a, in a convoy. And what it does is, for example, is it reduces the, fric- the, the, the friction with the, uh, with the uh, draft, so they're drafting effectively like a NASCAR, which is, again, to me, a better use of, of existing uh, resources because we need, in this case, less gas, or if it's an electric vehicle, less, less power to move the same goods the same distance. And so when when we talk about a system of systems, we really talk about starting to integrate the existing infrastructure and allow anything that is battery or or electrically powered to be participating in a a way of, of active communication. If I now take this up from a granularity level of me sitting in the vehicle in the traffic jam to the city of Chicago, if, for example, uh, I have to be at the office at 9 o'clock for whatever reason and I now have a congestion issue on one of the highways, and if I had an integrated mobility platform that would alert me to this, and let's say my wife wants to go, go shopping uh, on Michigan Avenue, if my wife would get an alert on her iPhone that would say, hey, uh, would you consider to delay your trip to the city until 11 o'clock where we mm-hmm. expect the congestion to be less, 
in exchange you have get a voucher of uh, $50 that you can spend at the destination that you're going to whatever oh real estate, uh, re- retail <laughs> place it is these are all things that you know technically Dante will tell us are possible today the information is there, but what's missing is a platform that integrates all of this, that pulls this all together so you can incent people to, to show different behavior. And I still have not changed the capacity of the street. I have still not changed anything major infrastructure-wise. Will this work better with a 5G network? Yes, it will. Will this work better with multimodal transportation? Yes, it will, because if the weather is nice, which, again, integrated mobility platform, I pull this data in, and I say, Manali, instead of you taking the car to work today, can I pick you up in a open, uh, let's say, e-bike, take you to the train station, take you into the city, and from there you'll take a Segway to, to your final destination. I take a car off the street, but how do I incent her? How do I offer this service to her in the first place? For that, we need this integrated mobility platform that looks at the available capacities and also looks at... Um, uh, the, the, the different data points and understands Manali's preferences. If we know she has an important meeting and she might be in a certain type of clothing that does not allow her to ride the bike, for example, then we have to find another way of moving her. If I'm going to work out, I'm in, in gym outfits, I'm probably more privy to taking a Divi bike. And so these are all data points that we have that exist in various data silos, and we have to get those data silos opened up and put the data into a data lake and really start sharing this information in a smart way, however, also in a secure way. So my personal data is not being used for illegitimate purposes and also to have governance around who is allowed to see my data and who is not allowed to see my data. Thank you, Joe. So many good, interesting. Manali, go ahead, jump in, please. Yes. Manali, ready? I was going to say... Not not in winter, um, but on a day like today, I would I would go for your option. <laughs> <laughs> Manelli, what is your what are your thoughts from your perspective on integrated mobility platforms? What does that mean to you? Is it doable? Are there cities around the world that are already doing this? And how would you feel about getting an offer on your phone while you're driving? Of course, hands free. Yes, an offer. Actually, even a, a voice that says, "Manelli, guess what?" If you don't put that key in the ignition right now and you wait 29.5 minutes and then go to the city where we know your GPS is set for, you're going to get a $50 bonus coupon for, I don't know, Nordstrom's or any store you love. <laughs> what would you think, Manali? Uh, yeah, I, I agree The integrated mobility is really the way to go. And, I mean, I definitely am in that category of people who whatever option of mobility makes sense. And if I know what those options are and and I can choose between multiple options right now for what I want to do based on real-time conditions, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, And I think we are seeing, you know, that... People can be influenced. I mean, I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to give people fifty dollar vouchers. I think you get a lot of people that would change their behavior with that. But I even, might. even with just getting better information, there was actually um, the City Tech Collaborative here in Chicago. They had done a study um, where they gave CTA riders. They had people sign up, um, and it was around a Cubs game. You know, and when the the red line gets really crowded because everybody's trying to get to the Cubs game. And they had people sign up for um, alerts 
and and looked at can they influence their behavior. Other people who are not going to the game, can they adjust when they leave? You know, can they leave earlier or maybe stay later or do something else um, so that they're not getting on the train at that peak time where everybody's trying to get to that game? And they actually found some pretty interesting results that people are willing to change their behavior. And I think there was something like, you know, a 17 or 18 percent um, change of people deciding to either leave earlier or um, stay later so that they avoided that congested time. And so sometimes I think it's really just that if we had better information about what's happening, we would make different choices. And sometimes you need some incentives, right? There's people that Mm-hmm. maybe have some flexibility and then other people who don't have flexibility in their schedule. And then there's some people that will make a change if there's some other reason or incentive. Um, and so I think it's that combination of approaches, but that that idea of having an integrated platform that allows people to understand what's happening and make those choices across lots of different service providers, I think is something that um, makes a lot of sense. And and many companies and entities are working on this. Thank you, Manali. Dante, I think you were invoked by Joe Renz a couple of minutes ago. He said you had something to add to this. Love to hear from you. Go ahead. I I love integrated mobility. I think this is uh, the right way to to think about it and to approach it. The the interesting thing that uh, that I thought about and I wrote this down is, and then what? <laughs> so my father-in-law used to say, hey, we changed the curtains and then mm-hmm. found out the room, uh, the colors in the room don't work together anymore. <laughs> so we got to get a new couch. And then the couch comes in, the, the, the rug looks old, so we got to get a new rug. And then, so we don't know what we don't know. I think this is the right approach. But as we go along, we're going to find um, what the human behaviors are when they get these. And I, I, I like these experiments um, that show that people are changing their behaviors. But I'm, I'm interested to see what the uh, as we start living the policy a little bit, and there's these pilot projects, how we adjust into the future. I'm not sure it will be the exact way we look at it now. Very interesting. Well, what do you think? Is this something you, from your background, do you think this will work? Do you think we'll end up having to change the couch? Do you think that when one element changes, and I know Manali talks about um, about taking a holistic view of transportation, do you think the holistic view, stepping back and saying, what are all the moving parts, literally and figuratively, Dante, that we will end up with things we didn't anticipate that require infrastructure changes, that require funding, that then put us back in the OMG we did didn't do it right mode or what do you think is it are, are cities embracing it from a big enough far enough away top-down viewpoint yet I think we will get to some OMG moments because I'm just I'm just thinking of an example on some of the German cities now in uh, they're they're actually not allowing vehicles in certain areas they want to keep engines combustible engines at a certain city course Mm-hmm. So whatever the policy was two to three years ago now has to change, and they have to, and the integrated mobility plan and policy is going to have to change. And I don't know what that's going to look like for delivery of packages to the last mile, food to the last mile. Um, they're going to have to go with non-combustible engines. I think it's going to be really interesting. It certainly is. So, Thank yeah, you very much. I think mu- there's going to be OMG moments. 
Okay, good. That's, that's what I was going for. I, I think that's going to be a natural conclusion. Thank you. We have about five minutes left till we go into our predictions round, but I want to cover a, a case study. Manali, I don't know if you did this on our part one in May on Future of Cars with Game Changers. You have a great case study here about the metro in Medellin, Colombia. Can you talk to us about that? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I've, this year I met at a couple of different events, a UN event. I met um, a couple of people from Medellin, Colombia, and they were sharing their story. And I, I just found it really fascinating because this is a place that was the murder capital of the world. Um, and mm. their story about how they transformed, it started with transportation, which, you know, you would never think that that's, that's the path, you know, to make this kind of change. Um, but what they had done is they started, you know, their their city was very divided. And so there were people that, you know, lived in these different um, barrios and, and didn't really, um, again, have access to other parts of the city and different neighborhoods. And so they, they put in a metro um, and that was, they said it was the first time that um, it really showed that you can connect people and there, there's good things happening. And then those barriers between these different neighborhoods started to break down and you people were moving from different parts of the city and then they were getting access to different kinds of opportunities and connecting with people. And, and that really started to transform the city and and even now um, they were showing images of the city and what they're doing was just it was really beautiful on the on the streets um, you know they're painting you know kind of artwork on on the streets themselves but that help guide people to transportation and the different options that they have and in such a, a really beautiful way and so it just created this whole different feeling um, when you you know looking at the city in terms of how, you know, in integrating art um, and transportation and opportunities and, you know, creating more sidewalk space and all these different ways that they were using design of the city. And going back to your, your, your opening quote, they're really looking, they were designing the city in a different way. And that just opened up um, all kinds of different possibilities. And now they're a place that, you know, people go want to go to. It's, I had a, you know, a family friend who just went there and was saying, what a beautiful city it is. And so it started with this idea of connecting people through transportation. So I, I was really fascinated with the way that they transformed their city over the last uh, um, couple of decades. What a wonderful example, Manelli. That was actually beautiful. And I love the way you introduced connecting neighborhoods and the idea of adding art, changing the city, sidewalk space, so many good things. Uh, Dante, in that example, I think they had some wows instead of OMGs because it sounds like somebody took a step back and did it right. You know what I'm going to do? We're one minute away from the predictions round. I think we're going to just increase the time for each of you for your predictions. So uh, let's start with Joe Renz. Joe, 
take a look at what we've been talking about, integrated mobility platforms, the concept of urban environments, more and more people moving to cities, 10 million plus cities are increasing as we speak, and the issues that we're all dealing with in our cities now, congestion, aging infrastructures, traffic, 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 when we talk about mobility, that seems to be the biggest issue. I just moved to Durham, North Carolina a year ago from Long Island, New York. I am I, I, I am a child of the Long Island Expressway, which is called the world's biggest parking lot. Did you know that, Joe? It's actually called the world's biggest parking lot because you don't go anywhere anytime quickly on the Long Island Expressway. So I'm here in Durham, and I'm easily able to drive between 70 and 80. Yes, the posted speed is 70 on 540, on 40. I've never been able to drive this fast anywhere I've lived before. So this is, I had to get another car so I'd feel safer at these speeds. Joe, talk to me about integrated mobility platforms. What do you see coming up the pike, down the pike, along the road between now and let's say 2025 in these growing urban areas? Joe Renz, you're up uh, 90 seconds. Go ahead. I do remember the Long Island Expressway very fondly as well. So, particularly in the summertime <laughs> when everyone goes to the Hamptons and oh, yeah. uh, people oh, oh, are stacking it. up. Um, the prediction to, that I will give you is that the car will take the same path that the horse took. Uh, and uh, there was a time when every, everyone who could afford a horse uh, had a horse, owned a horse. Uh, today, there's still horses. And uh, the role of the horse, however, has been clearly uh, changed over the last couple of years. And uh, if I go back to 1908, as we were in New York, the number of horses and the number of cars was the same in New York City in 1908. Mm -hmm. In 1917, the last horse-drawn carriage train was retired. So less than 10 years we went from the same amount of horses to cars to the car taking over the city. Mm-hmm. And this is in 1900. Today's innovation curve is extremely steep. This is today's the slowest day of change you'll see for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, Monali and I just participated in a mobility uh, session at a, uh event here in Chicago called uh, TWIN, the, the World Innovation Network. And um, I'm always amazed when innovators come into these rooms, and I'm not going to mention all the companies that were present, Mm -hmm. and we talk about 10 years out, how people underestimate, in my humble opinion, the pace of change that we are going to see. And so you will very quickly start seeing these autonomous vehicles uh, coming into uh, our lives. Um, By the way, if you go to the airport and fly to Europe, you're boarding an autonomous vehicle. It just happens to be flying in the air. If you see what we're doing with drones, yes, a lot of times for military use, but also for commercial use that Dante just mentioned, deliveries. We are going to be very, very surprised at how quickly um, these machines will become part of our everyday life. And we'll also be amazed at how easily humans are adapting to this because if you, again, go back to the iPhone, it's, it's 10 years old, the iPhone. And no, none of us can imagine how life was like when we did not get our emails and couldn't browse the web with a device that is now attached to us 24 by 7. 
Joe, thank you. Joe, I'm going to have to stop you. What you're saying is brilliant, but I need to give 60 seconds left to Manali and 60 seconds left to Dante. We're almost out of time. So great prediction. Thank you, Joe. I I love listening to you. Manali Shaw, I'm giving you 60 seconds. What do you see coming up or down the road? Go ahead. Uh, I see that cities that use transportation design to create a strategic advantage will thrive. They'll have the economic growth, will eliminate the transportation deserts and create more social equity. Um, And I think that the cities that are going to do this in a thoughtful way, embracing the technology, but doing it in a thoughtful way um, are the ones that are really going to thrive. And, you know, that's really the crux of what's happening now is that it's a combination of policy and technology and that intersection is really what is going to drive how this happens and how many of those OMG moments happen. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's where we that's my prediction is that that's who's going to thrive the ones that can best take advantage of these um, technologies, but put in the right kind of policies and um, thinking to do it in a way that doesn't create unintended negative consequences and while they all every unintended yeah it can't all be solved for but but i think that's that's where i would go thank you 60 seconds dante real tight go ahead i have to close go ahead yeah i'm going to pivot a little bit because we're talking about a lot of the uh transportations and autonomous cars there's something going on in switzerland called cargo sous terrain csd Mm -hmm. They're, yes. they're actually going to build an underground freight delivery network, and then yes. what they want to do is have autonomous vehicles at certain um, cities pull those packages out and then deliver them to the last mile. So I think this is a really interesting concept, especially for the east coast of the U.S., when I'm thinking about Baltimore, Philadelphia, D.C., where you can build an underground network, mm-hmm. and you would le- relieve a lot of the uh, bigger trucks that are coming in and out of the cities or between cities. I just think that's going to be something that's going to grow in popularity. It's uh, autonomous, electrically powered delivery vehicles, and then tunnels utilizing, uh, you know, below ground movement. I've read about it on the digitalist. I I did a digitalist briefing on that. I don't know whether you wrote that article. Fascinating. Cargo suit terrain. Yes, under the street. Thank you very much. Joe Renz, New Mobility Lab. Always a pleasure. I always learn so much from you as well as from Manali Shaw. Now on break, deciding what she's going to do with her career next. And Dante Ricci at SAP. And a shout out to all the wonderful people who've been tweeting and retweeting, especially my automotive colleagues at SAP. We've heard from Jim Davis and uh, uh, we have Miranda Debate and other people, thank you so much. And Aaron Keller, our engineer, our formidable, venerable engineer at the Business Channel team. We're going to be back. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern today with a new episode of Ch- Game Changing Predictive Machine Learning. Our topic is AI reinventing the way we work. You don't want to miss this one. And SAP Sven Denikin is one of my panelists. Can't wait to get back with him. So here's my call to action. How appropriate. Fasten your seatbelt, whatever kind of integrated mobility platform you're on, you're going to have to have a seatbelt. We know that. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Joe Renz, just like Manali Shaw, just like Dante Ritchie. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 